60s, in a family that was, like Britain itself, facing and adapting to the enormous changes taking place around us with gathering speed. My parents' generation lived through the horrors and dramas of two world wars, but only saw the beginnings of all the profound social, sexual, gender, medical, religious, and technological changes that have altered the world since my generation came into being, which have been, perhaps, the greatest ever to take place in the course of any person's lifetime so far. I hadn't really thought much about this before I began full marks for trying. But writing about one's childhood and youth highlights the changes, because you can remember what it was like before they happened. There are the obvious, mundane, physical ones, of course. Motorways, seatbelts, air travel, London's changing skyline. And then there are more subtle ones, When I first came to live in London, Downing Street, now sealed off behind huge gates, was just another road. You could amble past number ten and stare at the policeman standing outside the door. Similarly, you could park free next to the stones at Stonehenge and go and touch them. The stunning Art Deco foyer of the Strand Palace Hotel was its foyer. Now it belongs to the V&A Museum. And Wolseley was the name of a car and not a fashionable London restaurant in Piccadilly, where there used to be an old Wolseley garage, but everyone has forgotten that. Then there are the humdrum domestic changes. Duvets have replaced eiderdowns, tampons have taken over from sanitary towels and their ugly accompanying belts. Handheld hair dryers and heated rollers mean we no longer have to sleep in curlers. Disposable nappies have made redundant the whole rigmarole of toweling and muslin squares, which had to be boiled on the stove because people didn't have washing machines. Kleenex tissues are the new handkerchiefs. The idea of blowing your nose into a piece of cloth was never nice. But on the other hand, hankies were such a useful Christmas gift, especially for men. Though little girls like me were always being given flat boxes of pretty embroidered ones, which we hardly ever opened, let alone used. We all know about tights replacing stockings and suspender belts, but there was a slightly earlier, almost forgotten liberation when seamless stockings appeared for the first time. Stockings with seams sound sexy now, but they were a nuisance to put on. You had to guide the seam with your finger and thumb up the centre of the back of your leg, and then, all day, you'd be looking over your shoulder to check or asking friends, am I seam straight? There were no credit cards in my youth, which meant cashing checks all the time, usually at the bank, but at your local corner shop if you could persuade them, and persuading them was quite important, because being stranded without money was a problem then, as there was no easy way to get any. In my day, you couldn't go to the lavatory on a train when it was in a station, because the flush drained out directly onto the tracks, which made us wonder what was happening with aeroplanes. Was it all likely to come plopping down on our heads? In 1977, Dad and my sister, Tessa, and I clubbed together to give Mum her first ever washing machine for her 70th birthday. But instead of being pleased, she was furious because she thought it was some kind of negative comment on the way she'd always done the washing before. My in-laws had the first washing-up machine I ever saw, but I was sceptical about it, because they seemed to have to rinse all the plates before they put them in, which I thought was kind of doing the same job twice. 
The food we eat now would be unrecognizable back in the fifties. I mean, literally. Few people then knew what an avocado pear looked like, let alone an artichoke or a mango or passion fruit, or croissants, baguettes, wraps, pizza, sushi, or anything in a tetra pack. The nearest we got to hamburgers were found at a chain called Wimpy Bars, and they were thin, stamped-out circles of grey something. Mince would be too kind a word. In a tasteless white bun with a dollop of ketchup, ice cream was served, not in a cone but in a slice between two wafers. Spaghetti came in tins with tomato sauce. We knew so little about pasta in those days that in 1957, when Richard Dimbleby, the even more famous broadcasting father of David and Jonathan, made an April Fool film for Panorama about Italians gathering the spaghetti harvest. Showing long strands draped over the branches of trees.